Good day, everyone. I'm your host, James Hicks from Hicks New Media, and welcome to Perspectives and Focus. You know, this is a show where we highlight the people, industries, ideas, and technology that are making positive strides within society today. Today, my guest is Mr. Gustavo Rossetti. He's a CEO, he's an author, recently wrote a book called Remote Not Distant, Design a Company Culture That Will Help You Thrive in a Hybrid Workplace. Love that title. I selfishly want to have the conversation myself to, to hear his thoughts and his best practices, but this is definitely going to be something rewarding for you as well. Uh, Gustavo is a sought-after speaker and, and workplace cultural consultant who facilitates conversations to drive cultural transformation. He's the creator of the Culture Design Canvas, which is a visual and actionable method for intentionally designing workplace culture. His insights have been featured in a number of places, Psychology Today, New York Times, Forbes, and BBC. Sit back, folks. This is going to be a great conversation, and I hope you find some value. Mr. Brazetti coming from the Windy City, uh, which is not only windy, but we, we can talk about that too, right? Chicago. How, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, James. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. Nice I, I, I'm, I'm, like I said in the monologue, selfishly looking forward to this conversation myself because uh, I'm in the high, the enterprise technology field and we, we talk a lot about now coming back to work, working remotely, the hybrid workplace and things of that nature. So the, the topics, the subject matter that you have within this book and kind of what you do at Culture Design Canvas is incredibly fascinating to me. So but before we get in that, I again, I gave the 35,000 foot level kind of uh, presentation overview of who you are. I always like to have folks tell their origin story themselves. So if you don't mind, if you can go into that, sir, who is Gustavo? Rosetti. Okay, where do I start it? <laughs> uh, I mean, it, from a personal standpoint, the thing that defines me the most is I like cooking. And when I say cooking, I like, I mean, I've been cooking since I was uh, 12 or even younger. And I like to cook cuisines from all over the world. So I don't have any particular preference. And I learned that and I apply the same skill that give me a couple of ingredients and I'm going to improvise something. And I've been using that approach in my personal life, in my professional life. So I, I worked for over 20 years in marketing and communications. Uh, I was a leader myself. And at some point I realized, hey, I, I need to focus on the culture side of business because companies don't lack ideas. They don't lack uh, solutions. What they lack is a culture that's conducive, that helps those ideas see the light of day. That's why I started my company six years ago. And here I am. Awesome. Now, I, I will admit, first, when you first said that, I thought you said cocaine. So I, I was like, wait a minute. He's like, you know, cooking or like, <laughs> so you don't know what kind of show you're going to come on here, right? You said, you said, cooking. Exactly. And I said, wait a minute, Gustavo said he likes cooking. Wait a minute. You told me to be honest. And and, you know, yeah, you know, wrong kind, wrong kind of show, wrong kind of show. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, man, I, I really like that, right? And speaking of culture, right? So I, I gave HP 20 years of my life. I gave Apple 10 years of my life. And those are, you know, two companies that really speak highly of driving culture right? Speak highly of individual worth and things of that nature, being able to be a 
quality corporate citizen and quality citizen amongst themselves as well. But let me ask you, why did you feel that company culture amongst individuals, amongst the employees and employers was such a something that you needed to tackle yourself? If for two reasons, I to going back to my, my story. I, first, when I was a regular employee making up the ranks in different organizations, I suffered from bad cultures. Mm. But then I also was guilty as charged. When I became the leader, I made some of the same mistakes that other leaders made and say, well, what's going on? And I think that we need to understand what's culture. Culture can basically get the best or the worst out of people. There's an exercise we do usually with teams in which we ask them, revisit all the company cultures, all the places that you work throughout your career, and what type of culture helped you do your best work and which type of culture didn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that drives a lot of conversation because it helps turn culture into something more concrete. It's not just about having a set of values or purpose, it's more about the whole system, the rules in place, the norms, how decisions are, are made, how distributed is decision-making rights for people to uh, have autonomy and move fast. And all those things influence how we work and where we thrive and where we suffer. Interesting. So how are we doing now? How, how are we as, as a culture, as a society? I'll, I'll, I'll scale it down and I, I won't try to boil the ocean, but I'll say U.S. economy. How are we doing now? And specifically, and I say now, since the pandemic, since after the world shut down and we're trying to go back to the offices, we're, we're trying to get back. We, we got pretty comfortable. And, and for some folks, I think even pretty productive working remotely. But that can be a pro and a con and kind of detrimental to an overall organization's culture. So again, let me ask again, how do you think we're doing now, now that the world is starting to come back? into face-to-face -face conversations, things of that nature, in terms of cultivating culture for these hybrid type of workplaces? I think we're, not, we're doing not so good, but not mm -hmm. as bad as many media are trying to portray. I mean, when people talk about going back to the office, it feels that the pendulum is moving from one extreme to another. But the other day, for example, the New York Times published uh, an article that shows that there's so much empty office space in New York that you could actually put 26 Empire State buildings there. So <laughs> we're talking about 26 skyscrapers, empty of office space. So people are not returning to the office as fast as some people like us to, 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 to believe for many reasons. First, teams, to your point, have demonstrated that they can work as productively, if not more, when they have flexibility. Mm. There are many benefits yeah. for flexibility for women or people that are caregivers, for diver for different minority groups or underserved groups that feel safer working from home, but also need that flexibility. We have companies like Spotify that are, or Allstate, an insurance company from the Midwest, that their diversity goals kind of skyrocketed because of offering flexible work. So they have more women, like Spotify triple the amount of women in executive positions and Allstate doubled the amount of minorities working at the company because they started offering that flexibility. Wow. So I think that it's not a one-size-fits-all. I think the most important question when we talk about the return to the office, for me, it's more about integrating the office as one element of culture and understand that if you want people back, you need, they need to have a reason that justifies the commute, not only the cost of commuting, but also the emotional toll and the time 
to be in the office rather than work from anywhere else. Man, you you get it, right? That, that's it right there. Because you know, think about it, there, there's so much time that's spent wasted on that commute piece, right? So again, I'm, I'm in Northern California and, and either jumping on Amtrak or jumping on I-80 oh. to get from work. Okay, see, this could be a whole counseling session for me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I am such. I am much more productive of either starting the day earlier and having shorter gaps that I don't have to allocate for travel, that I don't have to allocate for traffic and things of that nature. But I, I ask and I wonder if that's a good thing, right? Are we, are we now, even though we're, we're hybrid and we can be slightly more productive, are we at a detriment to ourselves because we're limiting that gap that we have, right? In terms of, I can be available from five to six to seven to eight to nine o'clock AM, as opposed to 45 minutes to breathe and listen to the radio while I'm, while I'm commuting. You know what I mean? Are we, are, are we yeah. over rotating now, now that we have this capability, now that we have this option of being more flexible and being more hybrid? I think it all depends on who you speak to, but uh, I always want to look into actual facts and research to basically uh, explain what's happening. And many studies are showing that people that are working either fully remote or in a hybrid arrangement, they're working close to one hour more per day. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they are more from a company standpoint, hey, they're putting more time, they're being more productive. That's a different conversation if they're productive or not. However, on their hand, because they are saving commute time and other stuff, people are investing more personal time. So I think that we're in a, when well handled, we're getting the best of both worlds. People are spending more time in cooking, exercising, going for a walk, hobbies, whatever, but also they're working more. So it's a good win-win for both the yeah. individual and the organization. And that's why I'm struggling to understand why some leaders are so upset. They want people full time in the office. My point is we shouldn't see working remotely and working from a physical same environment as opposites. We need to integrate them both. And we need to understand when does it make sense for people to get together and when do we need people to work remotely? For me, the solution is not work three days from the office to from home because it's kind of a recreating the nine to five rigid schedule yeah. rather than yeah. let's let the work dictate how we work. If we are working in a huge project that requires innovation, requires creativity, maybe we need to spend the full week together, not just a couple of days, but then maybe next week we don't see each other and that's fine as well. Man, I, I, listen, I'm going to bring you down here to Silicon Valley and I'm, I'm just going to throw you into a handful of conference rooms and, and, and let you let you have this conversation. <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. Let, let me ask you this, and now I'm going slightly off script, but I'm, I'm wondering the advent of hybrid work, the advent of post-pandemic, Teams, WebEx, Zoom, things of that nature. Your thoughts on, are, are we using that too much? Are, have, have we gotten to the point where we rely and, and we're so comfortable now, again, just, just using remote technologies uh, as opposed to, again, wanting to meet someone at, a, at an office or at a coffee shop? Do, do you see kind of a, a decrease in that face-to-face personal communication and engagement amongst the workforce now that we have yeah, all these other technologies that are available to, for us to communicate with definitely i think that we are becoming too technology 
dependent, <laughs> right? And that's that's not good because once again, many of the issues that we have in terms of collaboration are people problems, not te and technology accelerates both the good and the bad within a team. So we need to watch out. One thing that happens, even when working with teams remotely, we always try to bring back the physicality. Sometimes we say, hey, we're not going to use Mural or any other collaboration tool. Bring a piece of paper, write something, share it to the camera, or sometimes working with the cameras off so people can reflect and have some time to, to think differently, you know, to move. Having a meeting, walking, so people can experience that physicality and not being always through technology, the way we interact with each other. So if you did have that opportunity, let, let's just uh, go, go ahead and throw that out there and say, if, if you got on a plane, got on United and flew from Chicago over here to Northern California, and you had an opportunity to sit down with 20 top executives, regardless of the industry, and say, you're doing this, whatever this is, X, Y, and Z, you're doing this wrong, yeah. right? What? How, how could they do manage hybrid work, hybrid uh, employment, hybrid teams better and, and be more more productive? What, what would you say, two, three things that you would say to those executives to how they can manage their environments better? The most important thing I would tell them, right, tell my clients is stop trying to dictate how the team should work. Stop thinking in mm. one size fits all because every team has different dynamics. So, a, 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 and every person is different. So for example, sales, maybe you need to spend more time working with your customers. You need to visit your customers. You need to stay. So maybe yeah. a sales team need to see each other more frequently than other teams. If you work in operations or back office, I think it's important to stop trying to dictate a one size fits all approach and let teams define how they want to work based on the nature of their projects, the type of work they do, the type of people they serve. So it's a top-down approach uh, as opposed to again a lot a lot of times you, we we have the, these shadow organizations we have the you know the invisible dotted lines where you know Gustavo yeah. you're 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 the team lead or you're the most senior person we're gonna follow and do what you do as opposed to what the manager sitting in the corner office do do you believe that the core unit of the the tactical team right the actual folks doing yeah. a lot of times the work should should they lead in terms of how that should be established go in not have a mutiny but but go in and have that conversation with leadership or should leadership lead by example in terms of how that team that hybrid team could work most effectively i think we need to rather than a top-down approach we need mm. to create one that's in or out so let the teams decide but also for example even within teams we have let's say CTO or CMO, each leader are detecting how their teams work, but no one's thinking in cross-collaboration. So we're thinking mm. like we're increasing the silos, but having rules that apply my department, this department, rather than, okay, if we are working, you and I are working the same project, we need to define how we work together, regardless if you are from marketing, I'm from sales or operations or tech. Okay. And that would probably that would work again regardless of industry i, just, I guess because again I've, I've got three decades decades or so in the enterprise technology field Tech. and dealing with engineers a lot of time well you know we're kind of kind of crazy crazy bunch uh, dealing with <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe maybe a manufacturing plant or you know accounting firm do, do you see a different type of a conversation depending on the industry about building effective hybrid teams and hybrid workplaces. 
Definitely. The, the big question, first of all, it's like in many industries that many leaders thought, oh, we cannot adopt remote or flexible work. Mm. People have find a way to do it. But also, even if you work on the technology side, don't assume that everyone in the tech industry wants to work, for example, remote. There are younger people that like to work, uh, have visibility to learn from observation. So I think that uh, the career path in which you are also dictates your preferences. Uh, the industry definitely changes. One thing that's funny, it's we work with lots of manufacturing companies, not only tech uh, as a consulting firm. And uh, in manufacturing, people have flexibility because they're, people work different shifts. They're used to managing people working different schedules. So they're used to a more complex kind of world than those that work in typical office or HQ kind of uh, settings. Got you, got you. So the attraction to the book, right? The the re reception of, of the book, Remote Not not Distance. How, how has that been, right? Again, because again, you're coming in with almost, some are, are common sense principles, but some mm -hmm. are, are, again, not, not that the world is going in, in a different direction. I, I just wonder if, if they're being met with stalemates or things of that nature. Are you, are you being seen as someone providing value to again all those organizations all those different types of industries with with the principles that you're you're, you're offering how, how is the reception to the the, uh, the guiding principles in the book been perfect i think the reception overall has been great i'm super happy more than i expected and the most important thing is i'm not trying to sell a model and i think that's something that people mm. appreciate a lot so i'm presenting like a roadmap for companies to rethink how they want to operate there are certain steps but also I'm providing options. So for example, when it comes to hybrid models, I present five different hybrid hybrid settings that people can choose from with the advantages based on their industry, based on their approach. So in that sense, it's about a, 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 my approach is to inspire people to experiment. I have a lot of tools that are easy to use, uh, tips, facilitation guides, a lot of uh, activities that people can adopt within their organizations. And it's for them to try them and see which one stick, which one works, mm. and which one shouldn't be adopted by any means. So it's every leader should define their own journey. And that's the most important thing. I think the media keeps talking like it should be what's the right model? Like it's a one model that's going to work across all industries, across all size of companies, across all types of leaderships. And that for me is what's wrong. No, oh, I love that. I, just common sense, just, just right to the point. That's exactly, you know, what I was hoping to get from the slightly convoluted question that I asked. So, I, I, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not even, I'm not going to ask you to give all of those steps and all of those practices and all of those examples. We're, we're going to save that for folks to go get the book. <laughs> we're, we're going to tell folks to go get the book and I will leave a description to the book off of Amazon. Uh, so folks can go get that. Uh, listen, you got the Kindle version. So you need to do an audio book. I'm, I'm huge on, on Audible now. Yeah. So if, if you did an audio book yeah. and you would- I rehire a firm to take care of that. They're working on it. Yeah. Man, listen, that, that would be- <laughs> I'll let my, you know. I send you a copy. That would be on my gym yeah. playlist, you know, next <laughs> month right there. So that, that would be pretty cool right there. But no, I, I will definitely make sure that this is uh, in the description. And congratulations to you. I see number one bestseller in office management in the category of office management on Amazon. Um, let, me, let me ask this. Where does- your firm fit in so where, where does culture design canvas fit in how, how how do they are they 
uh, do they work together? Are, are they slightly separate, slightly equal? What, what kind of things uh, do you provide from that perspective as opposed to, to the book itself? I think in the book, I share a, a lot of tools and processes and learnings because there's a lot of, I interviewed a lot of people. So it's not just my point of view. There's a lot of professionals, mm. teams that have been struggling with a different work scenario, teams that are experimenting. One thing that for me, it's important that I showcase some companies that are not even the traditionals. It's not just tech companies that we all know, like you mentioned Apple. Of course, we talk about Apple, but for example, there's other organizations like Fannie Mae, a government-based mm. company yeah. that feels boring, whatever, but they've been disrupting how they operate because of the pandemic, and I share their, their examples. Our firm basically uses some of the principles that I share in the book, and what we do is three things. We offer training. We have a lot of classes, master classes and workshops for people who want to learn the different tools that we have so they can adopt them and use them in their organizations. We also do a, a lot of team upsides workshops for leaders specifically and, and, and senior executives. And lastly, we do consulting. So there are firms that try to revamp their culture or they're trying to redefine how to their a, a, a come back to the office should look like and things like that. So they hire us a regular consultant to uh, help them design that journey. Awesome. What has been the biggest challenge coming back to the office that you know because companies that, that hire you to come in and, and do the consulting right do the culture design do the culture assessment what what's kind of probably the one two or three top things that leaders and executives are saying this is my biggest challenge today of building out an effective hybrid work workplace and and i keep talking about post pandemic eventually i'll get out of that but again that's that's still unfortunately that's a reality but we'll, What's the biggest challenge that you're hearing a lot of leaders talk about? The point is we have like three phases, right? You talk about pre-pandemic, the pandemic and post-pandemic. So before the pandemic, there was a way in which most people didn't question how they work. Mm. And it was a given and we all copied what we learned from our previous jobs, from our own leaders. Then the pandemic forced everyone to adopt a remote work disrupted how we worked and people were not prepared. Very few companies had the technology, the expertise, the policies and many other stuff to adapt to that stuff. So people were able to figure it out first without resources, then they started learning and acquiring resources. And now we have a choice. So leaders have a choice to say, hey, now that we can choose based on what we used to do, we used to do and what we did during the pandemic, what are the best practices from each world that mm. we want to take to the next world? And that's the biggest challenge. Many leaders want to go back to how things used to be. Many employees want to stay with the same practices they had during the pandemic. So we have a quick, a very big divide. We have leaders and employees feels that they have different things. And, it, and for me, the issue is like we don't have the right conversation. We are not asking the self, ourselves the right question, which is how can we do our best work? What are the conditions that are going to help our teams do the best work? So now it's more of a power struggle between leaders and people, and it's not getting a nice or nicer by the minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you will always have something to do. You, you will not be bored in, in this uh, niche of uh, consulting workshops and training that, that you've carved out for yourself. I love that. Uh, for sure. <laughs> I, I guess finally, let, let, me, let me ask this, because that, that was kind of a tail into a question that I had about 
companies maybe just getting started with thinking about hybrid work and, and what could they do and what kind of advice that you would have for them? And I kind of was, was answered there, but how long do you think we'll be in this mindset or mode of even considering hybrid work? Do, do you think we will, will be having these conversations short, mid, and long-term one, three, five years down the road, or will we completely do a 180 and go back to all hybrid completely tell everyone, if you want to work for this company, you're going to come in the office. You know, what, what, what are your thoughts? If, if you had that crystal crystal ball, that magic eight ball about what we're doing from a hybrid workplace perspective. To be honest, I think it's going to take more than three years to settle if it settles. And there are two things. I think that before people start talking about a potential recession, especially in the US, people felt that they have the all the powers or employees were um, dictating the terms, so to speak. When we started talking about, hey, there's a, there's a recession coming around the corner, then leaders took back to, no, I'm going to become more strict and, and be more autocratic, if you wish, about how things should work. We still haven't seen that. Uh, I mean, that employment had went down actually last month. So I think that we're going to see a lot of recalibration because companies that felt that they have more power they're seeing that the best talents still have the choice to go where they want to go. So it's going to take a lot of time to find what the new model looks like for sure. Again, you are going to be busy for a little while. That's good stuff, right? That's good. So again, I'm, I'm a technologist and I notice things. I, I noticed the, so I got to ask a technology question and I, I, uh, I noticed the AI tracking on the, on the camera, which camera are you using right now to It's move? a Lumina, Lumina camera. It's That's really a good. good one. It's okay. tiny. I, yeah. It's really good. And yeah. Because when I'm presenting, I like to move, and the camera kind of follows me. As <laughs> yeah, you, you get your stand hours too, right on on your yeah. on your Apple Watch. So that that's good stuff. Um, <laughs> Gustavo, this is this has been a good conversation, man. Again, I think I wanted to be clear, concise, and I wanted to hear your your thoughts in terms of what you provided in the in the book, what the what your company does in terms of you know the consulting, the workshops, and mm -hmm. the training activities, things of that nature. Um, I've got your links that will be in the description as well in terms of how people can get in touch with you personally, like LinkedIn and your website and things like that. And also, also your company, but I guess in, in parting, what, how would you, uh, tell folks to move forward? Uh, the individuals, so the employees, how, how would you tell the individual employee to consider progressing forward as they consider hybrid work environments? I think it's important to understand, I think avoid the, the adding more fire to the fire, right? Mm. So try to understand your managers. I mean, it's not that managers are saying, hey, we want to do this just because they want to, some may, and, and try to engage in a conversation. And, and, and it's don't make it about yourself. I would say like a, your personal preferences matter, but what matters the most is what's good for the team. So if you're going to have pushback, if you have requests, Put those requests in the context of how your way of working is going to help the team. If you make it all about yourself, then your leader is going to feel, oh, this feels like complete entitled, complete selfish. I don't care. Right. So connect how you want to work with how it's going to help the team do a better work or job. Beautiful. Beautiful. Folks, Gustavo Rossetti, the book is called Remote, Not Distant, available in Amazon. Feature culture.design is the website. 
Mr. Rossetti, I appreciate you. Go enjoy the rest of your day and, um, you know, uh, get to work, man. You got, you got, some, <laughs> you got some work. I have to go to work, right? Yeah. <laughs> Enough talking. I love no. it. Thank you, James. And thank you, Ron, for joining us. Thank you, sir. Be well.